0: Well, good morning. As Russell said, we've been in a series on spiritual gifts for a number of weeks, and uh, I get the privilege of being the caboose today and finishing up that series. Uh, We've kind of used as our uh, outline 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, those three chapters. And uh, so we've started out talking about what are spiritual gifts, where do they come from, who gets them, how do they get them. In chapter 13, talk about you know love being the oil that makes the whole thing work, and then when we get to chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, we get to the real nitty gritty of what makes these things work. But before we dive in there, I just want to think a little bit about the local church. When I say local church, I mean this group right here. There are a number of churches meeting in town. This is one expression of the body of Christ. I just need a few volunteers. I won't ask you to say anything or come up front. I just want you to stand. So about two or three in that back corner. Please stand up, just quick, anybody. I'm not gonna do anything bad to you, really, I won't. Yeah, yeah, good. A couple in that back corner, stand up. Come on, quick, 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 quick. Just stand up. There you go, a couple more, good, good. Couple up in this area, stand up. A Couple more here, good, good. And a couple over here, stand up. Brilliant, that's good, that's good. Now, look around, and I want you to think where in the Nanaimo would all these people be in the same room? I mean, this is an amazing thing, the local church. Thank you. You guys can sit down. Maybe Walmart, but, you know, we wouldn't be like, (laughs) we wouldn't be like hanging out together. The church is an amazing thing. God's body is an amazing thing. And he brings together all kinds of different people in relationship and in family. And what we want to talk about today is spiritual gifts and how they fit together. Because really, where the rubber meets the road is in the local church. How many of you know it's great to go to a conference? Awesome. Great to to watch a video. Great to read a book. Cool to go on a missions trip. All those things are wonderful things that God uses. But where the rubber meets the road is right here week after week, hanging out with people, going to connect groups, doing ministry together, living life together in the context of a local church. This is where it's at with spiritual gifts. And today we want to look at, how do I fit in to what God is doing in this place, in this particular place, Oceanside Church, in this particular time? I think as we open the scripture today, we're going to see that God has designed our spiritual gifts to flow in harmony with His activity that's already taking place right here at Oceanside. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians 14. This is a big chapter, and we uh, had Snowmageddon, so there were a couple preaches scheduled that we'll have to pick up later. But uh, we want to look at the last part of 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to start in verse 26. And basically, we're going to look at a sort of a matrix of some of the things that God's doing in the local church, and then what is my response to that? So let's look at, starting at 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, each has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at the most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there's no such one to interpret, let them keep silent in the church and speak to themselves and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another, sit in there. Let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that you may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. He's bringing in some very specific things. And um, West did a great job of sort of outlining the Corinthian church, which was a super powerful church but was messed up and was, was in excess in some areas in the using of the gifts. So that's where we come in. Andy, do you want to replace this? or am I, Are you going crazy? Yeah. You go, can you just set me up with a, with a boom mic, Andy? Um, so... Uh, He's bringing some specific things into what's taking place in the the local church. And he starts out and says, when you come together, each has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. So this is exactly what's been taking place this morning. I don't know if you noticed it or not, but there's been worship. There's been words. There's been uh, different things going on. There's teaching happening. And this is exactly what a service is about. This is what happens when we get together corporately on Sunday morning and in other places in our church. Uh, but he says all things are done for building up. That's the whole point of all of these gifts. All these expressions of what the Holy Spirit is doing is done for our building up. So the body can be built up so that we can go and do the things that God is wanting us to do. That's the purpose of what God is doing in his spiritual gifts. Now he talks about tongues. In verse 27, if anyone speak in a tongue, let there be two or most of the three in each in turn let someone interpret. If there's no one to interpret, let them each keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. There's two expressions of tongues. This is often misunderstood. There's a, a grace of tongues, which is a private use of tongues, which I believe every Christian can have. And then there's a, a gift of tongues, a spiritual gift of tongues that is used in the public worship service. He's talking about that second gift I wish we had another week to do another preach on this, but Andy is gonna post up a really good message that was preached here a while back on tongues in particular. Uh, You're invited across the street to Bible school uh, this next Tuesday night. We're gonna talk about tongues, spend the whole night on tongues and these two different expressions of tongues. So if this is new to you and you're trying to sort it out, just come over, we'll put some extra chairs out at 7.30 across the street. But he's talking about tongues and he says, when you do that, it needs to be two or three, not 20 or 30, it's not a big crazy show. and there needs to be someone who interprets. That's another spiritual gift that comes in and says, this is what that this means back in the language, in our case, English, that we would understand. So he's given some really good specifics about that. Then he moves on to another gift in terms of prophetic. In verse 29, he says, Let two or three prophets speak, and others weigh what it's said. For revelation is made to another sitting there, let him first be silent. For you all can prophesy one by one and may learn to be encouraged. And the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Prophecy is an amazing gift. It's a spiritual gift. And it's basically speaking for God. But the Corinthians had gotten that out of whack. And they were, you know, trying to muscle in and be important. And, and, and Paul just says, hey, look, we need to do this in a way where it builds up the church. It's not some kind of freak show or, or side show in a circus. This is what the prophetic word does. And he says... You, you have control over that prophetic unction. When you feel a weight and God wants you to say something, you have control over that. You can do that in a respectful way under the leadership of what God is already doing in the service. Not like you're out of control, like, oh, I have to say this or I'll blow up. You won't blow up, you know, you won't. Uh, anyway. So we all may learn and be encouraged. So this is the nitty gritty of a, how do you actually use these gifts? And in verse 33, he summarized this paragraph. It says, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. I'll give you some specific illustrations of how we operate as a church. It's not the way that has to be done, but it's the way we do it. I don't know if you've noticed, but there are basically three um, sort of point people on any Sunday morning at our church. There's the worship leader who's here. He or she is up here leading the team. There is the person who's going to preach. They're over there nervous, freaking out, wanting to get going. And then there's what we call the MC. Russell takes that role this morning, and that person, he or she quarterbacks what the service is doing. And it's a beautiful picture, all three of us are working together, listening to each other, you'll see us go over and talk with each other, and poke each other, and you know, we're watching each other, God is doing things through those three leaders in the church. So some churches I've been part of the past are what I call popcorn churches. You can just stand up at any time and go, whoa, blah, 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 you know, and it doesn't matter where it is, in the middle of a service, just do your thing, and whoa, whoa, just stand up crazy. It doesn't make sense to us as, as a leadership. We believe that God is bringing words to the church. And so what we ask you to do is to bring it to the MC, the person in front, and just let them sort it out. And, and let them find a place for you in that. There's a safety in this because a lot of times God is doing things throughout the service and sometimes there's an ordering of those words. So God may be working in a particular area, but you might have something that God's bringing a little bit later so the person might ask you to wait. Sometimes you might have a word that's, that's maybe more for you or something that you just need to pray into right then. The elder on duty will help you with that. Um, so it's a safety thing. It's not meant to be a control thing or a control freak. But it's just a way that we can orderly listen to God and all be built up and see what God is doing. It dawned on me this morning that when we come to a worship service like this in the prayer time, I realize there are some planned components of a worship service and there are some unplanned components. Both are good. Both are from the Holy Spirit. I've been working on this preach for a month. These guys have been practicing. They know the tunes they're going to do. Russell's been praying. We, we have some planned things, but there are some unplanned, wonderful things in terms of revelations, and that's exactly what took place today. But the person who's the MC of the service, it's his or her job to quarterback all those things working together. But it's done in a way so that we can, so we can glorify God. Does that make sense? So it's not just a gong show. So that's the point. So what's God's activity doing? What's God doing in these verses? I think you're seeing that God is speaking through others it's not just about you. It's not just about me. God is doing things through other people. And that's what's so beautiful about this first passage. He's reminding them there are other people who are hearing from the Lord this morning. There are other people who have prepared things. There are other things, the people that God has spoken to. There's established teams that are in place, planned and there are unplanned things. It's not all about you. God is already doing some things. You're coming into the middle of something, and prayer time is very interesting. If you want to start to hang out in the mornings, it'll blow your mind. These guys were reading my notes this morning in the prayer time, and they never even have a clue what I'm going to preach about today the songs, the worship, that's the Holy Spirit fitting into that whole flow. And I think what Paul's trying to say is, get used to that. It's not just about you. You're not the center of the deal today. I'm doing a whole bunch of things, and you need to have a heart to be able to come in with that. So so God is doing things. He's speaking through others. What's my response to that? I think my response is that I need to cultivate a teachable heart. Do you know what I mean by that? I think a teachable heart says, Yeah, there are some things that God's doing in my life. I have some experiences, some information, some wisdom, some education, a gift, cool. But I have some things to learn from other people as well. And when a person comes with a teachable heart into a context and using their spiritual gifts, man, it's such a wonderful, um, freeing thing. And there's a safety that comes from that. That teachable heart really gives us, it's really, 1 Corinthians 13, that Wes preached on last week. It's the the lubrication that makes all this thing work. But a teachable heart says, you know what? I know some stuff, but I don't know everything. And I know some things that are gonna happen in this service, but I don't know everything that's gonna happen in this service. That's a teachable heart. I've had to learn this working with Mike Graves. Uh, Both of us are strong leaders. Uh, You know, I mean, I led churches, in the past, and I came in here, you know, with Mike, and I knew everything, (laughs) and I had to realize I have to have a teachable heart, and when I got that straight, man, for 13 years, Mike has been such a blessing in my life. We still rub, you know, rub each other the wrong way sometimes, but I have learned so much, and God has poured into my life through that man, through Mike and Debs, God has changed the whole trajectory of my life and my ministry and my style because of that with Mike. But I had to have a heart that says, I'm willing to learn, and there's some more things that I need to learn. We all need to be like that. That's a wonderful characteristic of how these gifts actually just work in the church. Now let's go on. Let's look in verse 33. We'll start halfway 33. As in all the churches and the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's shameful for a woman to speak in church. All right. First thing is I want everybody to take a deep breath. Are you ready? There's three preaches in 1 Corinthians 14. And I started into the first one. I said, oh, tongues. This is the one I'm supposed to preach. And God said, no. So I thought, okay, cool. It's prophecy. That's the second preach, you know, in 1 Corinthians. No. <laughs> so I'm looking at the last part here. I actually have never heard anybody in my whole life preach on this, this last paragraph. <laughs> because there's two responses that come in at the end of 1 Corinthians 14. The first is most preachers avoid it like the plague. And to be really transparent with you, I thought, you know, I probably could do a good preach and end at verse 33. I mean, we're all good. Do you know what I felt the Holy Spirit say as I was planning to do that? Don't be a chicken. That's true. That's how he speaks to me. Don't be a chicken. Okay. So that's one response when we come to a passage like this. The other response, which is probably the more common response when you see like that something in the Bible is just to freak out, like, whoa, oh, I totally knew it. This Christianity is such a chauvinistic thing. God is, oh, he's a, he's a woman hater. Oh, throw this out the window. I have nothing to do with this. Oh, your knickers are all in a knot, you know? And a lot of people do that. If you haven't looked at the word of God. See, I believe as the scripture says that all scripture is profitable for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. Yeah. Given that, what in the world does this scripture mean? <laughs> well, the first clue is it says, in all the churches of the saints. So what we see Paul saying is, this is the normative for what's taking place right now in the churches. Now, we have to be very careful not to read a 2,000-year-old document, which is what this scripture is, through the lenses of our 21st century culture. Because the Word of God is an unchanging word, but it has application for every culture and every time. That's the trick with this whole thing. So be careful not to read this scripture through your glasses. Relax, I can see some of you just getting your hackles up, you know. I'm not going to announce a new uh, policy at Oceanside this morning, okay? So okay just relax but 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 we can we can do that in that situation that's the first thing and the second thing is we have to be um, honest when we look at the scripture that I don't think anybody totally understands exactly what was going on this paragraph to me is like a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle and you have made maybe 85 of the pieces and you have them on the table and you're trying to figure out what in the world is that picture I probably read 12 to 14 commentaries on this passage and there were probably 16 to 18 opinions on what this means. (laughs) So anybody who has this all sorted, I'm not so sure. But a couple things I am sure of. God has gifted men and women with all the spiritual gifts. We are all sons equally and daughters equally in the kingdom. This morning, someone read in the prayer time, really cool, an Acts, When the Holy Spirit was poured out, what's the scripture that, that Peter read? Peter read this, in the last days, it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. A little farther down, it says, even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. We know that there's instructions about the public prophetic word for women, even in this book a couple chapters earlier. We know there's women prophets who are speaking in the church in the book of Acts. There are key leaders that are women taking in the, in the, in the, in the early church. So we just have to know that I can't buy what some churches have bought to say, this is what this means, women, you can't sing in the church. I just, I think it's a, it's a, it's a misunderstanding of what's going on. We don't totally know what's going on. Men and women set separately in this context. There was men on one side and women on one side. We don't know, but something was taking place in the Corinthian church. Here's what I want you to hear. That was hindering the expansion of the kingdom in the way they were dealing with this issue between men and women. I don't think we can say for sure what it was. But it was hindering what God was doing. Because I think the activity of God in this passage is this. God is shaping the church for maximum impact. That's the big picture. God is doing things in the expression of the local church because he's serious about reaching the community and reaching the world and seeing the power of God poured out. The church is plan A. There's no other plan, I'm sorry. That's all we got. But sometimes we get into places, and we don't understand this place, but I can sure tell you some in the 21st century where we start to get off track and our insistence on something starts to hinder what God wants to do in the church. God's shaping the church for maximum impact. So what's my response in that? Well, this. I think I need to start to to learn to live with a kingdom perspective. What that means is I need to start to see the big picture in everything that God is doing. I need to start to be able to see what God is up to and take the things that I am concerned about and put them in a second place after what God is up to in the expansion of his kingdom. Does that make sense to you? Um, I drive a school bus, you know that. One of the things that's so hilarious on a rainy day is when you come in with a 45 foot school bus, it's very large, it's very yellow, it has lights that flash. You you come into a parking lot and all the little moms and dads are in their little BMWs, I'm sorry, and and they have their their lattes and they've parked right in the middle of the school bus zone. You know, I mean, and they're like, it's raining, I have to pick up my kid, he can only go two steps in the rain. This is the most important thing in the whole universe right now. And there's 50 of them, and you're in this big school, but it's like, i got to pick up 80 kids and get them all home safely. No, no, I'm, this is my spot, this is my thing. Uh, try, I'll try to relax, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like in the spiritual realm when we start to think we're the center of the universe. God is doing all kinds of stuff with big yellow things and flashing lights all around us. And yet, we say no, this is my thing. This is what I do. This is my this I you know, we've lost perspective. And I think he's helping this church, whatever this issue was, I can't nail it down for y'all. But I just know, whatever they were getting wrong in this matter between interaction between men and women, and whether it was fights or arguments or prophetic wars, I don't know across the aisle, I don't know what it was. But it was getting in the way. And Paul said, that's got to go. Because what's happening in the kingdom matters more. Now, let's get back to the easy part. Verse 36. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you good? Nobody left yet? we okay. That's the prophetic word for today. Done to be a chicken. Okay. Verse 36. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones that it has reached? If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Paul was the guy who planted this church, the Corinthian church, along with some other people, He was the first elder, if you want to call that, in the church. He not only had an apostolic ministry across all the Mediterranean region, but he started a lot of churches and operated as as an elder, and initially probably what we call now a lead elder, in that church for quite some time. Um, He also was an apostolic voice of bringing correction into the churches. So when he comes in in this situation and brings correction to the church, what he's saying is... Was the word of God, did it come to you only? Are you, this, are you the most important thing in the world? Are you the only ones that it's reached? Because there was an arrogance that had developed in the Corinthian church. Like, don't you tell us what to do. Don't you, you know, don't you correct us. We're our own thing. We're this wild and crazy pew swinging, you know, chandelier jumping church. Don't you dare bring any, any banks into the river that we're creating here. Paul says, no, no, no. Actually, you need correction. You need to know how stupid this looks, what you're doing. And as a father, Paul's saying, and as the founder of this church, in concert with the elders that are in place in that church, I'm telling you, this stuff's got to stop. It's pretty harsh words. But they're loving words of a person who has a kingdom perspective. And Paul comes to the point of that and says, if anyone thinks he's a prophet, you demand, you bring the word, you're up there. Whoa, spiritual. Oh, I'm the guy. Oh, get out of the way. You know, make me a reserved parking spot. You know, Uh, he should acknowledge these things that I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. Whoa, a command of the Lord. I don't think he's talking about writing scripture here. I think he's talking about godly leadership in the church that's bringing significant correction in the church. He says, if anyone does not recognize this, he's not recognized. Meaning, if you can't come under the godly authority structure of the church, you can't operate in that church. Maybe it's time for another breath. (laughs) So what's God doing? What's his activity here? I think God's activity in this paragraph is he's establishing godly leadership. You want to just listen to Philippians one one. It's pretty simple, as in a lot of things, we make things way more complicated. I've been parts of parts of churches that had boards and multiple boards and boards and boards and you know deacon possessed churches and all kinds of crazy churches. You know, um, but it's pretty simple because in Philippians one one, Paul says, "Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ." Three groups to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. That's us. That's everybody who's saved. Along with the overseers and the deacons. overseers a synonymous word for elders. It's pretty simple. The church structure is saints. That's the most critical. That's where the action is. That's where the work is getting done. That's where the kingdom is being established through people like us living our lives and going to work and driving school buses or whatever we do during the week. But there are also elders and deacons. That's the leadership structure that God has put in place in the church. And we live in an age where we have a difficult time responding to leadership. But I think my part in this is I need to learn to thrive under godly authority. I know there are abuses in leadership. I'm sure I've been an abusive leader at some point in my past. And the scripture is full of very serious things to people like me, you know, leaders and deacons in the church. Don't lord it over the people like the Gentiles. Lay your life down. The one who wants to be greatest must be the servant. Peter talks about all kinds of scary things. You're going to be accountable. Matter of fact, let me give you one, Hebrews 13, 17. Here's one that keeps me up at night as a, as a leader in this church. Hebrews 13:17 says this. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Be careful what you wish for when you want to be a deacon or an elder. (laughs) Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. I've been part of churches where, oh yeah, we're going to really make this suck for the pastors and the leaders because that makes them less, makes them more spiritual. We're their cross to bear. No, you're not our cross to bear. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. What's my part? I need to learn to come under godly leadership. Because I really can't see the full expression of the fullness of the gifts that God has given me until I'm willing to come under the leadership that God has established in the church. I hope you don't hear me on a power trip here. It's not about being in control. But it's taking the place that God has called those godly leaders to in the church and it's very clear from scripture, elders are the highest authority in the local church. Yes, there are apostolic ministries that help us, that come through and relate to us, but the last word in the church is elders. So when Paul says, you gotta stop doing this, and if you don't, you cannot minister in that place, it's a very serious correction that's bringing into the church. But what is so exciting is when we get that right, and the leadership is growing in their uh, understanding of of mutual submission and and placing themselves under God and what it means to be an under-shepherd and be part of the body where Christ is the head of the church, that kind of safe leadership provides an environment where people start to thrive in their gifts. Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you seen that in the past? I know what it's like to be in, in, in a church with horrible leadership. Everything is bent and twisted and messed up we're not experiencing that. This leadership team is certainly not perfect in our church right now, but there is a measure of health in our eldership team and in our deacon team that's trying to create a space, a godly place, for the expression of all the things that God has put in your life, all of these gifts. You know who scares me? You know who doesn't scare me? Someone whose life is messed up, who's just got saved, who's got all kinds of issues, who's, who, who is a social, uh, you know, doesn't really get how to do things and is a bumbler and screws things up. That person doesn't scare me. I love a person like that in the church. Man, let's grow. Let's, let me help you with your gifts and encourage you. And it's okay to screw up. I love those kind of people that are messed up and messy. You know who I'm most afraid of as a shepherd of this church? Someone who comes in looking all good. And pretends to say, oh, yes, I'm totally on board with the team. But as a person who's not willing to be under authority. I know from my own life experience, when I get in that place, I am a dangerous cat. So I think Paul is saying, for those people that are operating like that, with that big, broad smile, and how dare you tell me what to do, I'm the man, the woman I've come through, the hour of power. Paul says, no, you don't even have a place. You're not recognized in this church. Why is that? Because God wants to make a difference in the world. All things should be done decently in order. That doesn't mean boring. That doesn't mean perfectly predictable. That doesn't mean nothing wild and crazy. I've been to part of churches in a lot of my, you know, we, we, that was our favorite scripture, You know, all this wacky stuff in, first, in Corinthians 12, 13, 14. I don't really wanna preach about that, but I do wanna preach about everything should be done decently in order. Nobody, nobody raises their voices or goes, hallelujah to God. Or like Russell said, let's give a shout to God. No, no, that's not. Sure it is. That's decently in order. We're, we're emotional people. There's a place for celebrating what God's doing. I felt like God were be, people were being healed this morning in the church. Why shouldn't we go, yes, God, thank you. But all of this has to be done decently in order in a way where it comes under God's leadership and makes a difference. It builds us up. It changes us. It empowers us. It makes us a force in the community for good because it's all working together under His Holy Spirit. Pretty cool. (laughs) Pretty cool when you see it working. So here's the deal. I just think God's designed our spiritual gifts to flow in harmony with His activity right here at Oceanside. So what's the take-home? Here's what I think a take-home is. Um... I think this morning there are probably some people that have withdrawn from exercising their spiritual gifts in the context. I just, there is an amazing thing that's happening. I don't know if you're noticing this in the last couple of months, but there is a rising up of, of Holy Spirit activity. There's a rising up of spiritual gifts. There are people that are stepping out and growing. I mean, on Tuesday night in the Bible school, it's crazy what's happening in that prayer time afterwards and in connect groups and on in the street ministry and so many different places in the church there's a rising up in this and i'm so excited about that but i have a feeling there are some people that are holding back their place in that and i want to be able to pray into that and see if we can have that release this morning Um, so i think maybe the first one is this maybe you tried to step out in your gifting in your spiritual gifting sometime in the past and it didn't work out quite as expected. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're all excited about doing something in, in, a, in the spiritual realm, you felt the Holy Spirit doing something and you stepped out and it totally bombed, or it was embarrassing, or it was, you were s- stepped on by leadership, don't you ever do that again, or something like that, right? You've tried to step out in your gifting, but it just didn't go as expected. And you've withdrawn and you said, I'm never gonna do that again, I'm never gonna be embarrassed like that again, I'm never gonna screw up like that again. That's a vow that that Satan gives us. It's not a vow of God. Spiritual gifts, although they're supernatural, they're an enabling from God, they take some time to learn. (laughs) We got to get used to them and get good at them. And and we got to expect ups and downs and get it right, don't get it right. That's great. We want to have a church culture where people try stuff out. They come up and bring a prophetic word and it's not quite exactly right. The scripture says others should weigh the word. We help each other, we grow and say, hey, you know, this is part that you did awesome, this part maybe wasn't so awesome. You know, we're growing together, right, in that. And just because we screw up doesn't mean that we stop. We need to keep learning, keep on growing, and that's where godly leadership comes in, the protection to say, we're gonna be a a safety net like the guys up on the trapeze. You can try some new stuff, but we'll be there for you and catch you so that A, you don't mess the church up, (laughs) or B, you don't mess yourself up. That's where God leadership comes in. So if you're here this morning, I'm going to ask you to be brave. God already knows this. There's no shame in this. I just want to ask you to stand if that's you this morning. I want to pray for you in just a minute. I'm not going to have you come up or anything. You've tried your spiritual gifts in the past, and it didn't go like you thought, and maybe you've sort of shut things down. Is there anybody like that? You just stand up right now, please. Awesome. Anybody else? Yeah, I know you're here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your honesty. You stepped out, but it didn't quite work out. I just want to pray for you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these people that are standing, these precious people that are standing. Lord, I affirm that they have Holy Spirit gifts in them. If they know you, they have spiritual gifts. Lord, I thank you for the times in the past where they tried to step out. They thought they were doing the right thing, but it didn't turn out so good. Holy Spirit, will you take away the sting of that right now? God, will you speak into their life and say, good job. Thanks for trying. I'm so proud of you. Like a little baby that starts to walk and they fall down. Do we go, oh no, that was horrible. We're like, yeah, get the video camera. God, will you pour that into these people that they tried? And Lord, we thank you. Lord. And I, and I just pray you take away that vow that might have been said that I'll never do that again. Lord, I pray you bring freedom in that. Come, Holy Spirit, come. If you could just remain standing, I think there's another group this morning. And this other group is people that have been burned or betrayed by leadership in the past. This is a big group. Maybe you've been at a church where there was bad leadership and you got squashed, or people were afraid of you becoming more Visible or successful than they were and they tried to put you down or there were politics or there were people that were shutting you down saying That's not what God does Uh, You've been burned by leadership. It might have been here We're not perfect leaders. We do stupid stuff sometimes too And so it could be even that you've experienced that here at Oceanside But for many of us it could be somewhere in the past if you've been burned and you've been hurt by leadership and you've said I'll never do that again Would you stand? yeah I know you're here I've been one of these people I get it is there anybody else just be honest you got hurt and you said not again yeah let's pray for these people Lord I thank you for these precious people first off Lord we want to ask forgiveness for those leaders that had hurt them we know that your power flows through forgiveness Lord, I pray that you would enable each of these people to find the ability to forgive those leaders. So right now, Lord, I just pray you flow forgiveness through them to those leaders. We ask you for those hurtful or toxic leaders, if they're still alive, Lord, that you would turn around the trajectory of their lives. Lord, make them safe leaders. Bring them into the fullness of what you want them to do in the Holy Spirit. And be in the Holy Spirit. We ask you for your blessing on those people that have hurt us. And then, Holy Spirit, I just ask you for a new ability for each of these people to say, I'll try again. Even in the midst of an imperfect church like Oceanside, with imperfect leaders like us, I'll try again. I'll trust again. Because really, the one who's holding the umbrella over this whole mess is Jesus. And when you do that, you're you're saying, I see the big umbrella. (laughs) And I'm willing to step out again, even though I got burned, Lord. So Lord, I pray again that you take away the sting and the hurt of that uh, abuse. For some of you, it could have been abuse. And bring a freshness in that. I just wonder if the rest of us could stand together. Let's all just stand. I just want to pray for you. We're finishing this series, but the Holy Spirit is definitely not finished with what he's doing in the matter of spiritual gifts. And I just want to pray for a a greater release as as we close and conclude this service tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for each person in this room. I just want you to know we need you. Oceanside needs you. Nanaimo needs you. There's probably 95,000 people in this community that aren't connected in any way to a life-giving church. Nanaimo needs you. And you know what? The world needs you. He <laughs> needs every one of us, and the gifts and the anointing and the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit, which dwells to us to make a difference and make a change. There's no one in this room that's insignificant. There's no one here that's on the B team. There's no one here that's a second string. Every one of us matters. And Holy Spirit, I just pray you come right now and bring a revelation of that across this room. Pour out your gifts. We thank you for what we feel like is the beginning of a swell. We were sensing it, Lord. There are people that are stepping out. I'm asking you for more, Lord. More, 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 Holy Spirit. Greater revelation of the gifts. Greater power. Greater accuracy in the gifts. Asking you for more, Lord. Come, we welcome you, Lord. We're not afraid of you. Because you're a good God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.